0: How is everyone this morning? Good, good. Anybody else enjoy that time? I just I'm so thankful for our worship team. Anybody else? Come on, Zach, your team. We just love you guys. We love that you, what you bring every week. Um. <clears throat> all right. Well, th- this week we are going to uh, actually talk through the first half of the first chapter of Ruth. Um. Now today, I've had at least one person tell me they've never heard a guy preach out of Ruth before, and somebody else thought that was just for women's Bible studies, taking a little liberty with that one, and I said, no, all of the word is good, and this is a good word this morning. I think that that what I have to share is actually going to be a picture of where at least I'm at, maybe some of you in the room are at, in this whole um, wherever, you know, pandemic, COVID thing, where we're at. I think it speaks directly to us this morning. Um, so why don't you stand with me? We're going to read um, Ruth chapter 1, the first seven chap- or verses, and um, I'm going to just share a little bit about uh, Ruth, be- just to give you time to go to your table of contents and find where Ruth is and, uh, and get there, because if you're like me, it's not something you, you probably know by heart. But So whenever we take a look at a, a book of the Bible, we want to first and foremost say, okay, what is it for? Why is it in there? The, the Jewish people think, nobody knows, that Samuel may have written this book, and they would read it every year at, pa- uh, at Pentecost. Um, but the book itself the book itself highlights a couple things. One is the, the faithfulness of a lady named Ruth, just radical faithfulness and loyalty to her mother-in-law. And secondly, this, this lady Ruth is actually not even a Hebrew. I mean, she's not even a, a, an Israelite by birth. She's, she's a Moabite. She's from the, the east side of the, of the Dead Sea where they would worship idols. Um, but she ends up in the family of God through, through Naomi, through a, a Hebrew family, and, and ultimately she ends up to be um, King David's great-grandmother, I think it is, maybe grandmother, great-grandmother. The point of it is she ends up being part of Jesus's very lineage, Amen. and the book shows that even in the smallest details of life, God's weaving together a tapestry that we could never even know All right, so I don't want to take away from that. I encourage you this week, it's just four chapters. It's a wonderful book. Read the entire thing. We're just going to take seven verses. Um, So starting out with Ruth chapter 1, verse 1. It says, Now it came to pass in the days when the judges ruled. That's how you remember where the book of Ruth is. It's right after the book of Judges. Now it came to pass in the days when the judges ruled that there was a famine in the land, and a certain man of Bethlehem, Judah, went to dwell in the country of Moab. He and his wife and two sons... The name of the man was Elimelech, and the name of the wife was Naomi, and the names of their sons were Malon and Chilion. I'm I'm sure I'm saying that incorrectly. They were Ephrathites of Bethlehem, Judah, and they went to the country of Moab and remained there. Then Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died, and she was left and her two sons. Now they took wives of the women of Moab. The name of the one was Orpah, and the name of the other was Ruth. If Orpah sounds vaguely familiar, it's because I think that was actually Oprah's given name at birth. Nobody pronounced it correctly, and so she now goes by Oprah. Um, that's at least what Wikipedia says. They dwelt there about 10 years, then both Melon and Chilean also died, so the woman survived her two sons and her husband. Then she arose with her daughters-in-law that she might return to the country from the country of Moab. For she had heard in the country of Moab that the Lord has visited his people by giving them bread. The precursor to all this is actually their family left Bethlehem because there was no bread. They go through a rough time where the the men die, the husband and the two sons, and now she's hearing that bread is back in Bethlehem. Therefore she went out from the place where she was and her two daughter-in-laws with her and they returned to the land of Judah. Father God, I thank you today for your presence. I thank you that you are with us I thank you for this great group of people that we get to open up your word together today. And I ask that you would speak to me, that you would speak to us, that your word would come alive today, because I, I do believe it speaks right to where we are at. So Lord, we just thank you for your anointing and your presence in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. You may be yes. seated. So some interesting things about this story that I think I want to give context to before we dive in. I mentioned, that, so it's a, it's a Hebrew family. They go to Moab. Moab, they actually um, worship idols over there on the, on the east side of the Dead Sea. Um, it's probably not, it's one of those areas, okay, not the greatest place probably to raise your kid, but they're looking for food, all right? And, and then eventually what ends up happening is, is the husbands all die. Well, what's, what's interesting as the story kicked off is how they introduce the family. In the first two verses of Ruth, They reference them as uh, Elimelech is a certain man from Bethlehem, Judah. And then it says that their family is Ephrathites of Bethlehem, Judah. And what that means is many many scholars believe that uh, Ephrathites were actually the founders of the city of Jerusalem. Uh, Caleb's second wife was Ephrath, and they believe she settled over there. And so basically the point being, what, what the writer is saying, whether it's Samuel, whomever else, is actually trying to get us to understand is this family is a Bethlehem family through and through. They they very well could have been part of the founding families, you know, that that, that lineage of of the city of Bethlehem. And now they're living in another city. Not only another city, but really another nation, another area that's not even serving God. And, And then Naomi's husband dies. And then her two sons die. So all you're left with is Naomi, a Hebrew lady, and her two Moabite daughters, Now, back in this day, the husband is going to be pretty significant for a few reasons. A husband is going to be a a great source of provision for the family. It's going to be a great source of protection for the family. And also, as a a patrilineal, patrilineal, I'm going to say that wrong, society, a great source of the the family's heritage and ancestry is going to come through the the father's line. Uh, The the husband and the father of the family was crucially important. The, the, The husband, the father... Would, would have kept a sense of normalcy into the family, kept a sense of, of, of protection and safety and, and, and made everyone feel as if everything is going to be okay no matter where they're at. Anybody else have a dad like that? It's good to have a dad like that, right? Well, can you imagine for me for a minute if that normalcy is gone? Maybe, maybe their traditions get a little mixed up because dad's no longer there. They have to do things a little bit different. Maybe how they uh, even uh, approached God is different. Maybe maybe because dad was the one who may may have led the family in the worship of the Lord. Maybe they're they're grieving the loss of that normalcy. Maybe there's uh, financial instability because dad was the one who really made sure everything was okay. The husband is really the one that that took that responsibility on their shoulders. And honestly, if I'm Naomi or I'm Ruth or Orpah, these three women, there's a slight possibility or great that it could be a rather fearful time. You don't, know what's, you don't know what's out in front of you right now. You don't know where we're going. And I would suggest that many of us, like them, may be feeling the same thing. The, the, the best way that I could put it is, it feels like as if the rug's been pulled out from under us. Do you know what I'm saying? Anybody else feel like that a little bit? So my question becomes, what do we do in our life when the rug gets pulled out from under us? How do we respond and where do we go? Well, it's interesting in verse 6, it says, Then she, speaking of Naomi, arose with her daughters-in-law that she might return from the country of Moab. It's insinuating she's going to go back to Bethlehem. For she had heard in the country of Moab, I love what this says, that the Lord has visited his people by giving them bread. Uh, Yeah, isn't that amazing? So this is where I'm stuck at. It's interesting that they identified the family as such a Bethlehem family because Bethlehem actually means house of bread. Isn't it ironic that the people of God had to leave the house of bread because there was no bread, go into Moab, and now they're going back because they realize God, I love this verse, had visited his people and given them bread. All throughout the Bible from from. The old to the new, you can look at bread and it generally symbolizes uh, one thing, and it's, it's the presence of God with his people. In, in Moses' tabernacle, I think it's in Exodus 25, it talks about the show bread always had to be out in the tabernacle as a testimony to the, to the Jewish people that God was with them and always providing. It, always had, it actually says it always has to be in the presence of the Lord, the bread had to be there. In the New Testament, what do we do? Uh, Around here, we do it once a month. We take communion. And what did Jesus say to do? Do this in remembrance of me. Who is he? He was declared to be Emmanuel, God with us. It's a declaration that God is with his people. He's present with us in every area of our life. And so I find it really interesting that that Naomi's reaction when everything gets pulled out from under her and she doesn't know where to go and her normalcy's gone, she says, I need to go back to the house of bread. I would say it this way, I need to go back to the presence of God. I need to remember and reorient my life back to who God is in my life and give him first and foremost a place in my heart. So we're living in days when our traditions, our provisions, our protections seem to have been changed at the very least. Some of you may say taken away. I don't know where we're all at. But I want to share two examples um, with you of personally how I've walked through this in the last, I don't know, four to five months. Anybody else have a rather interesting last four or five, six months? <laughs> if every hand's not up, I don't know what planet you are from. Um, now, I want to be careful because I'm going to talk about two things that are highly divisive. And I really want to be careful. To, uh, I'm going to talk about COVID, and I'm going to talk about the government. And what I don't want to do is project what I feel the Lord's spoken to me on you. All right? You get your own word from God. I'm just sharing you mine. Um, and I also don't want to bring any sort of shame or division because that's not my purpose. My point is I want to share with you how the Lord has walked me through coming back to the house of bread in his presence, processing how, what to do when the rug's been pulled out from underneath me. Is that all right? Amen. So give me lots of grace because this, I, was, I, I, I shared um, I, this with Justin, I, Pastor Justin. I said, hey, this is what I want to do. And he just was like, he paused a moment. And he said, good luck with that, Tom. (laughs) I said, well, I just really feel it's been processing within me because the last thing I want to do is bring any division or shame on anybody because that's not my point. My point is I think it'd be helpful to share my heart. So when the COVID thing happened at the very beginning in March, do do we all remember what those um, projections from London, I think it was, came out? If we summed it all up, we're all going to die. Pretty much, right? I mean, it, it, there there was like millions of people that were going to die, and the projections. God bless the people that do the projections. I'm not criticizing them; they have a hard job. So whatever. It's neither here nor there. Um, but the truth of the matter is, if you were anything like me, there's a slight possibility you may have dealt with a smidgen of fear. Anybody else? I, am I the only unholy one here? Um, fear is normal. The Psalm says this about fear. It says, "When I fear." I put my trust in God. And what that means is fear's not bad. There's nothing wrong with fear. It's an emotion. But when fear takes over the whole of my heart, that's when I need to come back to the house of bread and reorient myself to the presence of God. So this is what happened with me. Now I want to give you some context um, because some of you may not know me very well or may never have heard these stories, but um, my context is I've, I grew up, um, once I got saved as a teenager, I grew up around the power of God my whole life. I've I, I personally have held a lady's hands and watched the Lord open her eyes from blindness to light. I've I've watched God do that. She went from seeing nothing to something. I watched a man who uh, uh, some people right here were praying for, not here, but in another church. It was actually in uh, Woodland, Washington, at a church called The Promise. Um, He had third-degree burns all over his arm. He unwrapped it, and it was all blistered and just pussy. I know it's really disgusting, but it's true. I watched a guy come up, touch his hand, and the Lord gave him new skin right in front of my eyes. I watched a guy that had, this was right in front of me in Riverside, New York, or actually Gang Mills, New York. He, he, he fell over and two nurses tested, couldn't find a heartbeat. A man of God walks up to him and commands life to come back into you. And the guy literally got up and, be, and just, I don't know if he was dead or not. I'm telling you, it, it'll shake you up. I watched legs grow. I've seen, I've seen a lot of God doing things. But in that moment when fear hit and I let fear take over my heart, what happens? You, you lose memory of everything. I forgot every mem- a miracle I'd ever seen, Right? That's just the truth. And I'm back in this little green room back here um, praying and crying out to God and this is what I want God to tell me because I know it's true. The truth is, He is the Lord who heals us and I want Him to tell me that because it's just true and, and He's going to take me through the valley of the shadow of death, right? We're going to get through this. That's all true. I believe that. That's not what He told me. He told me, He asked me a question and He said, Is it worth it? And in a moment, I knew what He meant. He meant if all these projections turn out to be true, is it still worth it to preach the gospel? Regardless of anything, who cares? Is it still worth it to put yourself out there, pray for the sick, bless people, visit people in their homes, go after God, see people you know, um, changed for the, for the kingdom of heaven? And I'll tell you, when the scripture says that you need to count the cost that was a moment of counting the cost. You begin to think through what those ramifications of saying yes are. But you know what I love about New Life Church? is I believe that this church is a, a, a group, a church of people that will take a big blank sheet of paper, sign their name to the bottom, and say, God, fill out my marching orders. I've already signed it. Amen? Amen. That's who we are. That's who we are as a church. And so that's, I, that's where I... That's where I what I did, I just said, I, it took me a while. I, I finally came to grips. I said, God, it, it's worth it. From what I've seen you do, it is so worth it. If, you know, if, if, whatever. So you get my point. And the second one is this. So I don't know if that helps someone process through COVID. Here's the deal. There's legit concerns about COVID. I had a family member actually had COVID. It took him six weeks to get well. I mean, it's not, I'm not playing around with stuff. I'm just saying my primary concern is the gospel. My secondary concern is my health. If that, if that makes sense. So, but, but at the same time, I recognize people have, you know, they got pre-existing conditions. So, I'm not putting shame on anybody. You, you do you. I'm just telling you what God spoke to me. It's, it's a real thing. The second thing would be, um, now this is where it gets interesting, um, the government stuff. So, you, we don't talk politics from the stage. And I'm going to stay away from that this morning. But I will say this. I, I tend to be the type of guy that has a copy of the Constitution on my phone. Whatever, you know? Um, But it's interesting how, so as this stuff is all coming down, the truth of the matter is in 2020, if you live in Maine, one of two names probably frustrates you Trump or Mills. I mean, no disrespect to either one of those people, but that's just the state of the world we live in. Everything is divided, and it's as if the world has told us you have to not like one of them. Now, that's not true. But that's just, anybody else with me? Especially if you do anything on social media. So as things started coming down, obviously, I'm the, the great Christian man of God. Where I begin to pray and ask God, basically, to change them to do what I want. You know, Trump and Mills, just, if I'm going to be honest, that's my prayer life. God, do what I want in these people's lives. And, and, and obviously, it didn't happen. Um, our family, um, many times before uh, bed, will sing that song, The Blessing by Carrie Job. Do you guys know that? Ah, it's such a gift during this time. And um, we live in an apartment building for like a week or two more because we finally got a house in Kennebunk. Yay! And, um, and many times with my girls, we'll, we'll pray that song. When uh, my family member had COVID, we prayed for her. We literally would just pray her name into that song, God bless her, for her. We'll pray for our neighbors, our kids. We'll just ask God to bless our neighbors and favor our neighbors and all that. And wouldn't you know, right in the middle of that, God asks me to pray that song for the politician who frustrates me more than anything. And I said, no, God, I actually want you to change this person. And God said, no, no, you don't understand. That's secondary. Primary is I love that person that you feel so frustrated by. What if you began to just pray my blessing on her? Pray my favor on her family, because they're going through a lot. How many know her? They're, you're any politician right now. I don't care which side of anything you're on. You and your family are going through a lot. There's no way you're not. What if the church rised up and began to just pray, God, would you bless them? No matter what side of the aisle, they, it doesn't matter. God, would your favor come upon them? We ask that you would bless their families and their children and their children's children. God, what if the righteous did rule? What if you came down in your hand, came upon the leaders in our nation, and we cared more about their heart than their policies? We cared more about them as people than we did about what they put on TV and in the, in the, in the newspaper. And I'll tell you what, um, that it's changed everything for how I pray. Now, it's funny, when you talk about these things, it's all in what I'm not saying. I'm not saying we shouldn't take care of ourselves and protect ourselves because of COVID. I'm not saying that at all. And I'm also not saying we shouldn't be politically active and we shouldn't do all those things. But what I am saying is at the end of the day, the Lord revealed to me one thing. Both my fear with COVID and my fear of this governmental stuff were rooted in the same thing, and it's called self-preservation, worrying about me, and nowhere in the Gospels can I find Jesus tell me to worry about me. In fact, he tells me to do the opposite. He says, just give your life away. Just lay it down for the cause of Christ. And so for me, I just want to say that as, as I came back to the house of bread, and I came back to the presence of God and allowed him to reorient me, it wasn't that he changed everything. He simply changed the priorities in my heart. And he said, those other things, are they're worthwhile. Pursue them. I think we're supposed to be involved with medicine, and we're supposed to be involved with politics. The, those areas need the light of Jesus. Amen. But in my heart at this point, they're number two to the cause of Christ and where I need to be with God. And I would say as a, as a directive word, one of the, the best things we can do as a church is realize that. Right now is a key season to guard our heart, for out of it flow the issues of life. That's what the proverb says. And so I I would encourage us, if you're struggling with anything, go back to God and work through, God, how do I guard my heart in a way that honors you, at the same time loves people? Amen? Amen? Amen. Jesus was misunderstood all the time because he honored God and loved people. He didn't care about being misunderstood. He just wanted to honor God and, and, and love people. And that's what we're supposed to do. So uh, all right, I, I did miss a verse. You know when we were talking about bread, Jesus actually calls himself, "I am the bread of life." So it points us right back to Jesus. Amen? Amen. So fear, those, those two things breathe fear, and I just want to say this for any of our, uh, any fellow Star Wars fans, um, it's this little meme I have of Yoda. So you all have to read it in Yoda's voice, in your own head. But where he says, fear is the path to the dark side. Fear leads to anger, anger to hate, and hate to suffering. It may not be exactly biblical, but there's truth there. There's a natural fear, and there's a supernatural fear. And I want to say, if we're dealing with the supernatural fear today, the love of Jesus can come and break that thing off our heart. And I pray that happens for you and me as we as we uh, move through this this morning. All right. So that's just kind of my, my little piece. I don't know if it was helpful to you guys to kind of hear how I process through those two things. <laughs> You need to sit there every time I preach. Uh, <laughs> let me remind you about Ruth. So this is, this is kind of the rest of the story of Ruth and Naomi, at least in chapter one, is Naomi gets to a place where she's deciding, she's going back to the house of bread. She's going to Bethlehem. She's going back to that place that's her foundation, that she knows this is where God wants me. And she tells Orpah and Ruth, the two Moabite ladies, well, why don't you go back to your own hometown you're young still, you'll find another husband, you know, that's going to be better for you, because I'm old, I'm not going to have any more kids, you're not going to, you're not going to wait for my, my sons, if I have more sons, to grow up and be their husband. So instead of being a widow your whole life, go back. Orpah says, okay, see, I'm out of here. Ruth says something that's probably the most um, remembered line in the whole book of Ruth. And it's this. She looks at, just, just visualize this. As Naomi is saying, hey, I'm going back home. I'm kind of giving up on this mo This isn't working. I need to get out of here. You go, go save yourself. It's that self-preservation thing. You go save yourself. Ruth bucks up against that self-preservation thing, and she says no. She looks Naomi in the eye, and she says, Naomi, wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you lodge, I will lodge. Your people will become my people. Your God will become my God. And listen to this. She says, where you die, I'll die. Man, she killed that self-preservation thing. She just decided to lay it all on the line and say, you know what, I'm going to be faithful to you. And I want to, I want to encourage us as a church um, that this is the season for faithfulness. Right now there's friendships that need faithfulness. You know, you got a friend that's going through a broken marriage. What they need to hear from you is, I'm not going to leave you. I don't care how messy this gets. I'm standing with you through this whole process. you got someone that has a, a, a diagnosis or a health problem, especially during this time, which is so difficult. The hard part might be, I don't know how to stand next to them because I physically can't get close to them. But what they need is for us to pick up the phone and say, how do I do that? How do I support you? How do I stand with you? What do you need during this time? Because even though you haven't asked, I need, to, I need to be the faithful friend during this time. You know, the messiness of life generally scares us away, or it creates something in us where we're like, I don't know how to do that. I don't know how to help my friend right now who can't even leave the house." So. We just, don't, we just don't pick up the phone. We just, Anybody else ever do that? You just don't know how to do it? So rather than jump in, you just kind of pull away a little bit. I want to encourage us, New Life Church, it's the season to push in. Don't pull away. Find that friend. Find that person at church you haven't seen in a while. Get their email. Get their phone number. Reach out to them and say, what do you need? How can I pray for you? How can I stand with you during, during this season? Because it really is a picture of Jesus. Jesus said these words. He said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Amen? Amen. A pastor down at, um, I think it's, uh, oh, Jimmy Evans is his name. He says it this way. He says that word, forsake you, actually means I'll never turn my face away from you. I'll, you'll, you'll always be in my view. And I think that's that's the, that's the thing. Right now, as things get really messy and things just aren't normal, Jesus is saying, I'm not going to abandon you when you need me the most. Here's the deal. Why do I say this? Why am I encouraging everyone to just... Give, give it their all to be faithful because no matter what happens with the government or with COVID, you are still the salt of the earth. You are still the light of the world. If there's any hope, it's from people that, that b- believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ. If there's any hope, it's from us that are filled with his Holy Spirit. And the last thing we need to do is do nothing, amen? We need to be full on out there. So I wanna just encourage you that you're still called you're still anointed by God. You don't need to feel it. He says his anointing remains in you. And he says that you are a minister of the gospel. It's not just people behind a pulpit. You're a minister of the gospel, and the world needs the gospel. Amen? Amen. So I just want to um, do two things as we kind of close up here. I want to um, just give someone an opportunity that maybe you've um, listened to me, I don't know, share about the faithfulness of God. And many in this room, I don't know if you're online or not, but in this room, as I look around this room today, I see people who've walked with God some longer than I've been alive, <laughs> faithfully, faithfully. And, and I know some of their stories, and some of those stories aren't the easiest stories, but they've walked with God. And so I want to encourage you out there, if you're, if you're listening online, and 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 you just need that shoulder to cry, and you're you're looking for forgiveness because you know your life is all messed up. You're looking for that hope that I'm talking about. I just want to say it's only found in Jesus. Anybody in this room agree with me? You're not going to find it anywhere else. There, there's going to be a link online that's going to pop up shortly that's going to say, "Hey, do you need prayer?" And when that link pops up, would you just click it? Someone's going to actually reach out to you personally and pray with you. And I just want you to just just say to them, "Hey." I want what Pastor Tom has. Today is is my day. I need to go from darkness to light. You know, Jesus doesn't make bad people good. He makes dead people alive. Amen. Amen. Here it is. So, if this if this little prayer helps somebody, it's not magic. But I just want us to take a moment and just allow people to kind of hear hear what could be a prayer that would just kind of set us. Set us on the right path. The Gospel of John, Jesus says, I am the bread of life. And the truth is, if you don't have Jesus, you don't have life. You have something that looks like it, but it's not true, right? Jesus is where life comes from. It says that God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes on him could go, um, (laughs) that whoever believes on him shall not perish, but shall have eternal life. There's actually a day coming back where the Bible says that Jesus is coming on the clouds that we're going to look up, we're going to see him, and we're going to meet him in the air, those that call on the name of the Lord. And if, if that's you, if you, and you might even say, Tom, I have no idea what you're talking about, but something inside of me says, I want what you have. It's a, it's a good way to start. So why don't we just bow our hearts and pray this with me wherever you're at. If that's you, just, God, I know that I'm a sinner. My life has not lived up to your standard. I recognize you sent Jesus into the world. He suffered and died on a cross as payment for my sin. And you know, the truth of the matter is, if you if you if you mean any of that in your heart, that today can be a day of new beginnings for you. And I just encourage you, reach out to me after service if you're here, reach out online uh, through the link, and just have somebody chat with you, pray with you, minister through that. The Bible says that once you do that, you got to let somebody know, get that word out there that, hey, today's my day of new beginnings and I, and I want to see God do something mighty in my, in my life. But there's another group of people that I feel like the Lord also wants to minister to. And maybe you are already a believer today in this room, online, over in the student center. And it feels like your word, world's falling apart. When I, when I did that motion that talked about the rug being pulled out from underneath you, you thought, that's, that's where I'm at. Your disillusion maybe with society, with the church, with your friends, could be a myriad of things. The point of the story is, I think today's your day. You see, when I, when I came here three years ago, I sat right over here, on the front row, my wife and I ch- did one of those pastor things where, you know, you're going to go to a church, you've got to check it out first. Justin had been here. My friend had been here for years. I, I never came up to his church because I was a lousy friend, I guess. I don't know. But we made it, we made it up here. And sitting on the front row during worship, uh, right before Pastor Jeff was preaching, I remember the Holy Spirit spoke to me at a Psalm 46.4. He said, I'm just sensing the presence of God as I'm worshiping. And, I, and the verse he gave me was, there is a river whose streams make glad the cities of our God. And I don't understand necessarily all the theological implications of that, but what I, I knew he was speaking to me was this church is filled with people who have paid a price to carry the presence of the Holy Spirit. That this is a church filled with the presence of God that values the Spirit of the Lord and that there's a, there's a river of God moving in this place. Why don't you stand with me as we close? <clears throat> because it's out of that picture I want to close service This is what I believe today. Um, I believe that the Lord has spoke to me about um, an opportunity. You see, he's a good dad. He's a good dad. We're going to close with a hymn that is actually one of my favorite hymns. And in it, it talks about how life tends to pull us away from God and it causes our heart to tend to just wander away. And we have to be intentional about coming back to Jesus and, and, and offering ourselves to God because in all honesty, our hearts are prone to wander. That's what the verse in the song says. And although that might not be a super faith-filled statement, it's just reality. Anybody else know that be true? Life just causes us to wander. Well, here's, here's, here's the picture God gave me. In Leviticus, it says that the priest um, puts an offering on the altar, but it's actually God who gives the fire that the, the Lord actually lights the fire on the altar and it's the priest's job to keep that fire going. So I just have a picture today of um, somebody, because the enemy loves to condemn us, that doesn't have a lot of fire on their altar. And instead of going back to the Lord, just as feeling a bit of condemnation, and I just want to break that off this morning, and I want to say today's a day that I think the Father wants to light fires again. And I want to encourage you whether you're here or at home um, as we begin to go into this song I don't even care if you sing it let them minister it over you but just begin to lift your hands up and begin to say Father, he's talking about me I remember days when the fire of God was on your altar afresh in my heart and I ask for it again and Lord if you would light the fire afresh of your Holy Spirit on the altar of my heart I commit to never letting it go out again that it will become the focus of my life to burn brightly for Jesus and to never have side issues that would trump the great issue of Jesus, to never have anything that would be a priority over the gospel of Jesus Christ, that that fire would be of so importance to me that I would do whatever it takes to protect that, to build it. If I don't have anything to offer as a sacrifice, Father, I'll step up on the altar myself and I'll lay there and I'll ask God that you would just take my life and that you would burn it that has a sweet, a smelling aroma to you. I just sense his presence in this place, saints. And I encourage you as the worship team worships just to, just to engage with the Father and ask him once again to touch your hearts and to fill you with the fire of the Holy Spirit.